Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the stuff we're up to over at blisterreview.com. Today, I'm joined by Blister editors Luke Kappa and Sam Shaheen to provide a bit of a recap of some of the stuff we've been up to in June. We are going to cover mountain festivals, running with your heroes, and then things get a little weird. We talk about what Sam, Luke, and I learned while spending day after day testing skis together this spring, then spending night after night in a cramped hotel room together. We wrap up by sharing with you some of Sam and Luke's favorite rants about gear, but we end on a positive note talking about a couple of pieces of gear that we really like. So get ready to hear about mountain festivals, humble legends, lessons learned this spring, one important Greek philosophical concept, the correct thing to think about Domino's thin crust pizza, and why Luke and Sam seem to hate all things that are waterproof and evidently socks too. Uh, And on that note, have fun everybody. It's good to be talking with both of you. Granted, we I've talked a ton. I talked to you two more than, I don't know, basically everyone in my life, uh, which is actually now I'm... I'm so sorry. I know, I'm like sad <laughs> now. But um, it's good that we are circling back because I think, you know, despite the fact that we talk all the time, it has been weird not seeing you guys every day and staying like cramming into the same hotel room uh given all the spring testing spring ski testing we were doing up in summit county so i am happy to uh reflect a bit on our time this spring and catch up on a couple other things that i guess well the most important one is that luke just got back from tahoe Um, So, Luke, I want to actually start with having you talk a little bit about this Alpenglow Summer Mountain Festival that you just participated in. Yeah. Um, So, last week, I headed out to Lake Tahoe for the first time in my life, um, which was super cool, Um, and went to Tahoe City, um, which is where one of our recommended shops, Alpenglow Sports, is based. And uh, two times a year, they put on these uh, mountain festivals, uh, and the summer one was this past week, and it's basically nine days of a pretty wide variety of outdoor activities, and a bunch of the events were free. Um, Other ones had a little bit of a fee or something like that, but um, overall, a super, super fun experience. Um, Did a lot of trail running did yoga for the first time, which was very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just as inflexible as I remember. Um, and some there were climbing trips, there were backpacking trips in the Sierras around Lake Tahoe. Um, a ton of fun stuff. Um, and yeah, Sam had gone to the Winter Mountain Festival and loved it. So I was really glad I was able to make the summer one this year. That's cool. Yeah. I, I would just add that um, similar to to what it sounds like the summer one was, the winter one was was really cool. It's it's cool to see a shop that puts so much effort into the surrounding community, and Alpenglow really is sort of the center of that um, that sort of North Lake Tahoe community. And um, I had I had a great time at the summer and I or at, at the winter one rather, and um, I'm psyched that it sounds like you had a good time too, Luke. And I confess 
the thing that I have just been insanely jealous of uh, is that after the fact, I found out that Luke was like hanging out and going on runs with Courtney DeWalter. Courtney just won the Western States Endurance Run. And if you if you if you do know Courtney, you know exactly why. Like she's kind of a hero now. And if you don't know Courtney, go look up the insane things that she's doing. And so I I guess I think this came up that I had just said to Luke, like unrelated, like, dude, did you check out like the Western States Endurance? And uh did you see what Courtney did? And he's like, wait, she won? And he's like, I was just running with her at the Helping Glow Festival. And then I just started yelling and I was like, what the, you know? And so anyway, um, I'm still pretty, still pretty jealous about that. And I think the other funny thing is, you know, if, if those of you happen to listen to the, the, the podcast conversation I just did with Julian Carr over on the Blister podcast, I thought it was real clever as Julian and I were kind of sorting through all this, like, what makes you a real runner? And, you know, Julian and I were both kind of like, yeah, we're not really identifying as runners. And I thought it was real clever when I was like, yeah, you know, maybe the definition of runner, the line between runner and non-runner is if you run in basketball shorts, you're like not really a runner. And I thought, this is great. I've come up with like the platonic definition or the platonic line of, you know, runner, non-runner. Except Courtney does run in basketball shorts and she's like dominating these massive, you know, 100, 240 mile endurance races. So, I don't know. In a way, it's like even more like more props. I'm more impressed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's awesome. And like, I think I talked to her about that. She showed up to. So, backstory. One of the events um, was a trail running clinic led by some of Solomon's athletes, including Courtney. Um, and she, yeah, she shows up in like this big baggy long sleeve t-shirt. These long, I think probably like 10 or 11 inch inseam shorts look nothing like what everyone else is wearing. Like my shorts were shorter. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, just like casually go out on this run. She's super, super humble. Really easy to talk to. We just, t- she lives in Golden, Colorado, so talked to her about how I'm thinking of moving there and um, talked about our unhealthy affection for junk food. And um, yeah, and then she goes on to uh, win the women's section of the Western States 100, like literally a few days after I left. That's incredible. Uh, She's something else. Um, And like the nicest, most down to earth person. Like if I, you know, this is why it's good that I'm not really, really stand out at anything because I would be the opposite of her in terms of humility. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, you would. (laughs) So so I think God has spared all of us uh, by giving me just a, you know, just a modicum of ability as opposed to like, you know, actual talent and ability. But let's move on. I wanted to, uh, well, I want to talk a bit about uh, some of the things we learned uh, during our spring ski testing and, uh, you know, basically living together in cramped quarters for days on end. Uh, And then part of what we learned was that Luke has all kinds of rants that he's so kind of mild-mannered most of the time. These... (laughs) Every time he'd start going off, it 
I don't know. It was uh, it was kind of like seeing a bald eagle in the wild or something, but you just stand <laughs> back in awe. But um, so we're going to get to a couple of Luke's favorite gear rants. Um, but quickly, I think there's a couple of things we ought to talk about. Uh, one, I had the pleasure of introducing Luke and Sam to Domino's Thin Crust Pizza. Uh, and that is always wonderful because I will ride... I ride and die for Domino's Thin Crust, and everyone is always too cool for school when it comes to that. And they're like, whatever, that's going to be terrible. And I believe I have two converts. Didn't, didn't? Well, well, first of all, first of all, let's start this off by saying that you've been, like, talking our ears off about Domino's Thin Crust for literally the entire ski season. It's been every yeah. single time. What should we get for food? It's like, oh, this isn't as good as Domino's Thin Crust, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, that's the gold <laughs> standard. It basically is. So expectations could not have been any higher <laughs> going into Domino's Thin Crust when we were in Summit County, and there happened to be a Domino's walking distance from our hotel. I will say, though, that I was... I, it was better than I expected it to be. It was quite delicious. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would agree. I think my caveat is that I'm just not much of a Thin Crust person to begin with, but... For thin crust, it was very good. But like Sam said, you basically treated it like this is what we should be valuing our money from, like pieces of Domino's thin crust, not the gold standard. Like that that's what we should use. So it was there was a lot to live up to. There was a lot to live up to. And both of your answers were good because depending on how you answered this, I was going to fire you or not fire you. So <laughs> I think uh, I think you guys are both still on the squad. So what? Well, what, one of the more impressive things to me is that it seems like Domino's Thin Crust is one of the four things that you eat. <laughs> and I think I, I, just being able to, to have such a restricted diet, good for you. But also... Not a bad choice on the Domino's Thin Crust. It's cost-effective and it's pretty delicious. It's delicious. I definitely do not eat it as often as I wish I did. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, cramped up in a hotel room after skiing hard every day, I don't know. That's my – that's real high on the list for me. So, um, so props to you, Domino's. Um, and, and I will, like, it is definitely, definitely a – not so secret dream of mine to get Domino's involved with Blister. So if you ever listen to like this Gear 30 podcast and you're hearing me talk about this is presented by Domino's, it, it will basically be that I, I just won't be able to have been happier about anything ever. So I uh, haven't had any conversations along those fronts, but we're holding out hope. Um, the other thing that we came to love uh, during our testing was the, the Primus... <laughs> parking lot grill basically <laughs> sam do you care to speak to this oh yeah it's called the kuchoma and it is awesome it's a little grill it's in the back of your car runs off little propane canisters you can buy at walmart and it it just takes impromptu tailgating to another level super psyched on this on the little grill yeah and we we did well we ran a giveaway on the site uh, with the Primus, and you can actually see if you go look up on the homepage, like one of our previous giveaways, you'll see us cooking out, and Sam is there <laughs> manning the grill uh, in ski boots, and and uh, we were all very impressed with that. Um, yeah, I'm just bummed it. We took so long for us to 
bring it there. Like we were eating bars every day. And then finally we were like, oh, we can have freshly grilled brats every day in like a few minutes. Neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now it lives in my, in the trunk of my car along with a cooler full of like meats and beer and Gatorade and all this stuff so that I'm ready to go at any moment. <laughs> Someone ever steals your car, they're going to be stoked. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, man, I hope not. I need that car. <laughs> so the last thing I want to talk about before we get to the rant um, is Sam with his uh, ongoing lessons in hubris uh, this ski season. Um, for for those of you who aren't up on your Greek, um, hubris uh, would be the Greek word for pride. And uh, we actually had two rather spectacular moments this ski season uh, one I don't think we've talked about, uh, which took place at Taos when we were doing some front side skinny ski testing. And all I remember is there was kind of these famous, uh, famous claim from Sam about how we don't, <laughs> we don't make mistakes on groomers. And I think this may have been with respect to like forward pressure being off on a binding or something. And he was like, yeah, don't worry about it. And so we were ripping around and like within, I don't know, minutes of this statement, I don't know, Luke, do you want to describe it? Should we make Sam explain? I don't want to. I don't want (laughs) to. Yeah, I think like literally the run after that chairlift ride, we were shooting some pictures on groomers and carving some hard turns. Sam comes down and... Well, back also a little backstory. <laughs> Since we've been shooting a lot of groomer shots, we've also been trying really, really hard to ski in a complete circle. <laughs> um, and this wasn't actually the case this time, but Sam comes down in this turn, and I take a few pictures, and he goes out of my line of sight to the left, and then I just hear kind of this, I don't know if you made any noise, or I just saw some snow spray everywhere. But you basically, I think, caught your uphill edge and did, like, a full, like, sideways flip in the air or something out of the turn. Um, and I thought you were trying to do a circle, but I went over and skied over to you, and you admitted that you were definitely not. Um, but it was a pretty spectacular crash on a very uh, mellow groomer. It For wrestling yeah, wrestling so- fans <laughs> out there? Because I was, I was standing back up. Like, Sam dropped in first and like skied past the photographer, I was still up above and I just watched Sam basically make a right hand turn. And then it looked like somebody picked him up and suplexed him for no, like out of just nowhere. And it didn't make any sense, but, uh, yeah. So I was like, wow, Sam just got body slammed onto his head somehow. I don't even know how that's possible. I mean, there, there are two main takeaways from this story. First of all, Circles are really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. A little off topic. Mm-hmm. Second of all, we do make mistakes on groomers. <laughs> or, well, you, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we've learned nothing about hubris. <laughs> well, and anyway, so this was spectacular. And this actually, like, I mean, probably concussed Sam. He was done for the day. And uh, so it, it actually wasn't all laughs um but it was ridiculous uh and then we actually got a kind of a bonus hubris uh episode this spring with a pond skim 
Luke, do you care to provide the details? <laughs> um, which one are we talking about? Because there were a few <laughs> interesting Ponskim <laughs> events. I only you, thought... You had a good one, actually, Luke. You had a great Ponskim event. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about Sam's yeah. first. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. we uh, A Basin's Ponskim was pretty interesting this year. Um there was not as quite quite as much snow as the previous years, so there's a very narrow section, um, and it had a few feet of snow at the end of it, and then it was just straight rocks. Um, but anyways, Sam came down. I think he was on the MSP forefront MSP 107, and I guess was trying to turn somehow while he was already on the water. And before I had even started taking pictures, basically, because he was so early into the pond skim, I just saw him basically tomahawk. Um, and luckily, we do have a few pictures, and I believe one of those is on Blister's Instagram. It's definitely worth a look. That's right. It'll probably be in the... It actually might be the slider for this episode, too. Just <laughs> come to think of it. Yeah, that was like head first into the pond. Like, I got... When I stood up, my goggles were full of water. It was like looking out through a fish tank. Like half my goggles were full of water. It was just like freezing cold. And then Joey, like right behind me, comes, comes skims right past me and like sprays the crap out of me, adding insult to injury. Uh, yeah, it was a sight to see. Anyway, Luke also had an interesting <laughs> pond skim oh, event. Oh, that's so, right. As, that's like right. Like he said, at the end of the pond skim, there's only a couple feet of snow. So. If you didn't dial your speed just right, you were either sinking in the water or, like, going over the back. Well, Luke comes in going, like, mock a gajillion miles an hour and blasts out the back of the pond skim, rides up over this, like, dirt berm, across a dirt road, and then just spears both of his tips into this boulder and scorpions directly into this, like, bare alpine tundra, like, cracks his goggles... It's like his face all chopped up. It was hilarious. Also, I'm glad you're okay. But <laughs> yeah, thankfully, I was wearing goggles, not sunglasses, and a helmet. The the lenses are completely shattered, but oh, yeah. uh, all I have left now is a couple scars on the side of my face. So all in all, ended pretty well considering. Oh, that's right. What could have happened? Yeah, you look terrible. You look terrible <laughs> after that. And then the next day, I was yeah. like, dude, we went, you know, we were skiing again the next day. I was like, what the hell? Why are you wearing sunglasses? And you just, like, pointed to your, like, destroyed face. <laughs> and it's like, oh, right. Yeah, you can't wear goggles right now. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just really didn't want to sink into that pond skim. <laughs> and apparently, I have no idea how to judge my speed. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Let's, um... Let's get to the main event here. Um, it's time to hear, like, rattle off, rattle through uh, a few of the rants. I mean, to be fair, you guys, when you two get together, this becomes like the the rant. And so, I don't know. At some point, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to stop this and and say that there's nothing else. You guys aren't allowed to stay on this, stay beating this dead horse. But um, let's go ahead and start with soft shells. Okay, um, well, Sam and I could talk very long about this, and I don't think we'll stop beating this dead horse until we try and stop us, many, <laughs> convince many people of our opinion. But 
basically, Sam and I are very fed up with seeing too many of our favorite soft shells die because people won't buy them because they don't understand how much better they are for almost all, or very many activities compared to traditional hard shells, which suck for a lot of purposes. Hard shells are really hot, and I mean, just think about how often are you outside and it's just dumping rain. Like, other climates are obviously very different than Colorado, but I mean, a lot of people, if they know it's going to rain a ton, they're not going to go outside. And when it's even relatively dry, soft shells are just so much more breathable and just so much more comfortable and more practical than most hard shells out there. And yet, Whenever someone makes a really good one, like the Patagonia knife blade or the old Alpine guide pants, they usually end up getting discontinued because people think they need uh, a fully waterproof jacket all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, but then in terms of actual rain shells, right? I mean, we're in full-on, like, hiking season and that kind of thing. If someone's going and hiking in the high alpine and they are like concerned with, you know, flash storms and that kind of thing, are you guys still against like fully waterproof, fully waterproof hard shell rain jackets? Not at all, in my opinion, but I think, um, I mean, that's where something like the Patagonia Storm Racer comes in really handy because it's super, super packable, packs down to like the size of a grapefruit-ish. Um, and so you can toss it in your pack and just forget about it but um, and take it out when you need it. But for uh, what I'm saying is that for most activities, when you want something that you can just leave on all day, that's where soft shells make a lot of sense. But yeah, I mean, for... For ultralight waterproof protection, um, hard shells are still, I mean, they make the most sense. They're actually waterproof. Um, and we have been seeing some interesting innovation in that area in, like, the light packable rain jacket category. Um, a lot of companies are coming out with inner, member, or inner linings that are a bit more comfortable on skin, whereas, like, the old two-and-a-half-layer stuff was just super sticky, clammy, gross. Um, you would want to wear it for as little time as possible. But, um, yeah, like the Storm Racer has a, this comfortable Trico backer. Um, it's actually a three-layer piece. And then Mountain Hardware, I know, has a, a film on the back of theirs that makes it more comfortable. So they are, at least the hard shells are getting a little bit better. Yeah, and, and one thing I would add to there, because the rain shell is such sort of a universal piece that pretty much if you go into the mountains, you need one at some point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That... The Storm Racer is not cheap. It is, mm-hmm. what's it, like 300 bucks retail? There are far, far, far cheaper options, and it's really important to, like, judge your needs. If you're going to be wearing it a lot and that next-to-skin comfort's really important, breathability is really important, and you absolutely need a sub-200-gram rain shell, the Storm Racer is an amazing option. Hmm. But for most people who are going to throw it in their pack on the, like, handful of hikes they do a year just in case it rains, those two and a half layer shells that hit around that hundred dollar price point, it's a third of the cost of a storm racer with pretty much all the protection. It's just not going to be quite as breathable and not as comfortable on the skin. So just because the storm racer exists doesn't mean you have to spend three hundred dollars to get a good rain jacket. You know, a rain jacket just needs to block the rain, especially mm-hmm. in Colorado when it typically only rains for like twenty minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And by the way, people can read reviews on Blister of this jacket? Correct. Okay. Did And you guys, have you guys both been in it? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, socks. Luke hates uh, socks or <laughs> hates people who use socks or don't understand <laughs> socks. What's the deal, Luke? No. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, ever since I like was introduced to them, I've worn merino socks year-round pretty much every day, um, and I've loved them for everything, but one of, the, one of the drawbacks is that they're usually not quite as durable as synthetic socks, but anyways, fit socks are some of my favorite, and I got um, pretty much everyone in my family some throughout various birthdays and holidays and all that, and they all love them. But then they come back to me like a year and a half later, and they're like, man, these socks are great, but mine, have a, mine are like almost have a hole in them now. And they, <laughs> for some reason, just, I think it's a little bit odd to expect a pair of socks that, and they wear them like every day because they're their favorite <laughs> socks. And basically, I think my punchline was just that that's not how socks work. Like, they don't last two years. You, you'll need to buy one other pair of socks. You can't just wear the one, same one every day and expect it not to wear a hole in it eventually. Um, so, yeah, I just think people need to be more realistic about socks. <laughs> So is, uh, is, is that the title of this podcast? That's not how socks work. <laughs> it might be. And actually, it sounds like Luke's not mad about socks. He's just mad about his dumb family. <laughs> Love them to death, but they don't understand how socks work. <clears throat> they seem like actually. I think I just need to buy them some more socks because they're too stubborn to admit that these. What, this one pair is going to last forever. I think, yeah, they love you so much, Luke. They're like, well, Luke gave me these. I have to wear them every day. <laughs> yeah, it's really just out of love. Maybe not after this podcast. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> anyway, I assume your family's delightful, and I don't know why you give them such a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> so what we learned, socks wear out, people. People, socks wear out. Moving on. Um, uh, we're on, still on the footwear. Yep. Sam, do you want to get people started on waterproof laminates and shoes? All right, yeah. I'm psyched on this one because I think that waterproof laminates in shoes, especially low-cut non-mountaineering boots, like basically if you don't think you're ever going to want to wear a pair of gaiters with your shoes, why? What is the, what is the point of having a waterproof breathable laminate in your shoe? All that it does is make it cost $100 more and then breathe way less. So all that moisture that you're preventing from getting into your shoe from like splashing in creeks just comes from inside your foot from sweating so much more. Your feet end up wetter pretty much every single time you go out. And I mean, I, I just don't see a single, a single good application of a low-top waterproof breathable shoe. If you walk through a puddle that's more than, what, two inches deep, like, it's just going to come right over the top anyways. So I, <laughs> I just don't understand why, why they're so massively popular still, too. I mean, I guess people just see, like, the Gore-Tex name or Waterproof and figure, oh, might as well. But me and Sam are telling you, you'll be better off <laughs> without one. Don't Please. do it. Don't do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't let Gore-Tex brainwash you. You don't <laughs> <Yeah>. need it. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. It's like apparently we are just people who are terrified of getting wet. Yeah. We're like that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it all goes back to. I think it is. Um, okay. Well, there you go. Public service announcement. Um, I think we might wrap up here. Sam wanted to say something about the R1. This... Yeah, this sort of this sort of circles back to soft shells, but um, Patagonia released a new version of their R1 called the R1 Tech Face this spring, and it is freaking awesome. Um, for me, at least, it hits the perfect balance of enough weather protection to like block a decent amount of wind and like a brief storm of a brief snowstorm or like a little bit of a drizzle while also being breathable enough to exert myself pretty much at like top output for several hours. Um, for people looking for soft shells or alpine climbing or ski touring or ski mountaineering that want a highly breathable non-laminate soft shell, that R1 tech face is sick and you should definitely check it out. Okay. Um, well, I really wanted to talk about that fly low piece that I was wearing all spring. Um, what was the name of it? I'm forgetting. It's called the Richie, isn't it? Yep. The fly low Richie. I love that. But Luke was like, dude, it's not, it doesn't, it's not available yet. You're not allowed to write about it on the site. So people, (laughs) you would have all learned about this jacket. I literally wore every single day this spring for skiing and really like it, but Luke won't let me write about it yet. So, but it's called the Flylo <laughs> Richie, and you guys should well, get ones when it when they're available. And it's it's kind of similar to the R1, definitely a bit more protection than the R1. Yeah, but just a stretch woven soft shell, no laminate. Awesome. Yeah, I think Sam, when I was asking you about it and you were checking it out, I think you said something like, "It's not some complicated piece. They just work really well." Yeah, exactly. They're they're not, and they've been around forever. Yeah, it's not like there's some crazy technology in there. It's just stretch woven soft shell. It's it's just a jacket that happens to work really well. Yeah. in a lot of in a lot of conditions. Yep. <clears throat> Do we need to say anything about cotton t-shirts? Nah. Okay. Nah, I, I don't need more humiliation. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, you do actually. So I guess the thing to say is, uh, if you're going to be, you know, hubristic, uh, in your approach to pond skims, you probably shouldn't be going around wearing cotton t-shirts. You're going to have a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. Okay. I can attest to that. Um, well, I think that that wraps, I think the things, you know, just to recap, Domino's thin crust, amazing. Primus Grills, we're all in. Sam and Hubris, maybe someday he'll learn. Learning, learning. Every day we get a step closer. Uh, apparently, Sam and Luke hate waterproof everything. <laughs> uh, that's most. Those are and Luke's family loves him so much they will never change their socks, uh, which upsets Luke. That's what I kind of got from today. <laughs> Um, yeah i guess that's just that's about it but it was it was a remarkable spring and we're actually i'm gonna get both of you guys back on too if um you know 
Sam and Luke and Brian Lindahl were all doing the heavy lifting on this lightweight touring binding shootout. And so I'm going to be getting you guys back probably in a week or two once we have uh, posted all of our write-ups on the site. And I'm going to kind of get you back talking about that since it is a certainly an interesting category. There's a lot going on there. And so we'll have you guys back on Gear 30 real soon. Cool. Cool. Sounds good. Okay. All right, guys. Take care. I'll talk to you later. All right. See you. Bye-bye. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Sam and Luke for the conversation and to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob. And if you haven't listened to my conversation with Julian Carr about the Cirque series and about the mindset required to complete his world record level cliff jumps, you should definitely go check out that conversation over on the Blister podcast. Thanks, everybody. Take care, and we will talk to you again very soon.